is episode 23, and today's question is, what the hell is up with magic, meaning, witchcraft, Samhain, and what the hell is an emotional support witch? Listen in, friends. May you curl up with that pumpkin spice latte that you've been sipping on, cozy up with your black cat, grab your witch's hat, grab your broom, grab whatever the hell makes you feel magical, and listen in to this episode where you will hear a little bit about me coming into my young coming of age as a witch, um, which has been an odd blessing of 2020. (laughs) Also in today's episode, um, I will be featuring the magnificent and lovely Callie Little. Callie is an emotional support witch based in Seattle. She is a writer and a sex educator. She has a background in writing for magazines and um, has been a doula. She also has her own amazing podcast with Amber Lenore, another witch and um, licensed mental health counselor. Their podcast is called The Pocket Coven, where magic and mental health meet. If you enjoy listening to Callie and us give some a brief uh, conversation about witchcraft, please tune in to The Pocket Coven Podcast. Today's episode is featuring some just dope music by Guaba. Guaba is a Seattle-based artist awesome horror hip-hop beats and just really magical sounds i've the the theme music of my october has been guava and then to follow probably taylor swift's folklore (laughs) um as well as some other local artists but guava has a couple of albums out and just so so cool and amazing some awesome hip-hop and rap today's song is called mariposa mala from guaba's album phantasmagoria may you listen to this magical episode with an open heart and feel encouraged educator and emotional support witch um i have a podcast called the pocket coven oh yeah where i talk about where magic meets mental health with my co-host amber lenore who's a licensed therapist and non-licensed witch (laughs) (laughs) um but i i was a previously a journalist and i've written for places like vice teen vogue Cosmopolitan. I worked at Seattle Magazine for a while. Okay. Yeah. Does the 13 on your tattoo have... What is the significance of that? <laughs> so I have a small pencil tattooed on my forearm with the number 13 on it. Uh, well, in tattoo culture, uh, Friday the 13th oh. is typically a very common day to run a, a special where you'll have a flash tattoo sheet and you can get any design for usually $13 plus a lucky $7 tip. So 20 bucks for a tattoo. And when I got married, we went to New Orleans for our honeymoon. 
we went for Mardi Gras and it just so happened that there was a Friday the 13th while we were there. And I woke up that day and I was like, I bet there's a tattoo shop here. I want to get a tattoo in New Orleans. Fucking such a magical witchy place. <laughs> and I asked my spouse, I was like, are you ready? It's going to be, it's going to be a long wait. You know that, right? And they were like, yeah, I'm here for it. And you know, you can drink in public in New Orleans. So they were like, I'll just get a cocktail and we'll wait on the sidewalk. It was like a four hour wait. And I don't mind. I can wait forever. I am a patient person. They are not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they, uh, they got a cocktail and we waited and they were like, do you really want this? And I was like, yeah, I really want to wait. And I got it because that year I had just written my first actual full manuscript. It was a fiction book that I've never touched again, but the fact that I wrote How? it felt really good. I did it for National Novel Writing Month, which is November. And it's a wonderful thing to do if you have way too much free time. NaNoWriMo is a jam. Uh, and I, I got it tattooed on me because I was like, I'm a writer and I want my writing to really happen. And it just so happens that the year after I got this pencil tattooed on me, I was published for the first time. And my first piece was published with Bust Magazine. So that's what the tattoo is. That's amazing. Yeah, What thanks. a cool story. Thank you. Well, I do think that we should probably define some things. Sure. So, like, can you tell me what it means to you to be a witch? So it's funny you ask that because last night I was journaling what does being a witch mean to me? Uh, because I'm going to be talking about this in my podcast tomorrow as well. Okay. So the definition that I came up with for myself is that I believe a witch is somebody who is in their power or in the process of reclaiming their power and who also identifies as a witch. <laughs> I think those are the only two things that really, really matter. There's no real prereq to yeah. being a witch. You know, there's that saying... You don't become a witch. You remember you're a witch. Well, that's how it was for me. Mm -hmm. Like how I told you that I look back on my childhood and it just feels really magical. Mm -hmm. And being kind of reclaiming my inner child feels the same as being a witch. Absolutely. I think inner child work is... I know that it sounds really cliche, but it's so important and it's such a powerful tool for transforming who you are and what your life can become. Yeah, and it's just that, that playfulness and like belief in magic that kids have. Like, mm -hmm. unquestionable belief in, in magic or... Um, like, for me, it was, it was like in God. And then, it, I don't know, that kind of gets lost somewhere. And... I remember being about 20... And I had just learned the most basic version of some quantum physics, which I say in a dumb basic voice. <laughs> because, well, yeah, I, I think I was 20 and I was probably really stoned. I was living in Humboldt County, the like weed capital of the country. And talking with my boyfriend at the time about quantum physics. But I remember thinking like, okay, so on an atomic level, there really isn't anything between anything. Everything is connected. Everything is the same. And I, f I still feel that our bodies are just these little pockets of earth, you know, carbon, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and water. There's that. <laughs> and then that, you know, what some people call a soul and what others maybe call energy, whether or not you think they're the same, I feel like that is the universe. And there's that, uh, I think it's a Carl Sagan quote, we are the universe experiencing itself. I really believe in that. And when I came to that solid piece of my belief system... I was like, oh yeah, I remember feeling this way when I was a child and 
I was in the church and I would feel that magical, mystical sense in a sermon. Like I didn't really believe in the Bible, but I think what I'm feeling is what other people say. Like, I feel God. I think I feel God. I just don't call it that. And I think that's beautiful. We don't have to have the same words for the same feeling. That's why there are so many languages. (laughs) (laughs) As an emotional support witch, Mm -hmm. like, can you kind of define your role? Because it's really interesting to me that there is, like, there is, like, that boundary of, like, if it comes to a point where professional expertise beyond what you can provide is needed, like, you refer Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. but then what do you do um, in the space, like, outside of that? Right. Well, I trained in my early 20s as a doula, which is an emotional support professional for people in labor when they're having babies, and it's funny how much of that is exactly the same and being a sex educator you know helping people with their intimate lives so much of that is the same as what i do now so people utilize my time i suppose and energy for all kinds of things i have people who need support in grieving a breakup i have people who want to have better sex lives or who are planning a wedding even, you know, that's one thing a client and I talked about recently. Um, I have a lot of people have sessions with me about realizing they're a witch and being comfortable with just embracing their desire to play around with who they are. I would say the average session starts out with you know, a little bit of catching up. I ask them about how their week's gone. You know, if they, if we've talked about them having some sort of homework, like I usually try to leave my clients with a bit of homework at the end of a session so that they can really feel a change happening in their life because they're choosing it. So, Mm -hmm. so often it will be a journaling prompt or it might be Uh, I had a client who I gave her homework to go spend as much money as she wanted because she has expendable income on art supplies because she was like, I'm not an artist. I I, I really want to paint, but I'm not a painter. And I was like, yeah, you are. You just don't have any paint. Go paint. Who cares? Put some paint on a canvas. That's being a painter. And so for her, it was... Again, permission, and so much of my job is giving people permission to be themselves and to be imperfect and to try things and to make meaning out of things. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, struggle with feeling like if something goes wrong in our perception, then it's wasted, but I really don't believe in that. I think Mm -hmm. every single experience we have, including six months of extreme depression, you know, I think that that's valuable and it helps us understand the world and each other a lot better. And for a lot of people, especially when I do baby witch mentorship, um, so much of it is just giving people permission to do what they want to do because, oh my God, one of the most common things that people ask me about is tarot. You know, there's that total myth that you have to be gifted your first tarot deck. But one, that is a form of gatekeeping that's bullshit. And two, (laughs) from what I understand, that was a rumor started by practitioners of tarot so that people who were, you know, anti-occultists weren't going to go buy a tarot deck and kind of ruin the practice. Yeah, you can buy your own tarot deck, but a lot of people feel like it would be disrespectful if they don't know anything to buy one and like they have to be trained first and they have to know all of the cards meanings and that's just not true. You can turn a deck of playing cards into tarot cards because that's, they were one and the same at one point, you know? So did the playing cards like... Is that like the baby brother of like the tarot? 
or vice versa. It's okay if you don't know. I don't expect you to be our witch historian. You just I wish have I was a lot a witch of historian, but I say I wish, and then I don't put in the work. So do I? Tarot cards were only used for cartomancy the first time around 1750, which is more than a couple of centuries after the expanded tarot deck was first conceived and used for games. So, the playing card version came first, but tarot cards seem to have been invented before playing cards, but they were invented as playing cards and then became a divination tool. Oh, I see. It was first a game. It was first a game. So that goes back to my whole idea about being a witch is really just reclaiming my inner child. And if I'm working with my tarot deck, am I actually just playing a game with the universe? Oh, (laughs) I love that. Yes, it is just playing with the universe. I love that. And I mean, it is when, when we show up to be with spirit, whatever that means for you. We're just inviting it to come dance with us, you know? It doesn't it doesn't have to be the most serious work. It can be. You can come to your practice on your knees and in tears and that's part of it too, but it can also just be like frolicking and rolling baking around. Baking honeycomb cake. Baking honeycomb cake. <laughs> Having a tea party. Yeah. Yeah, I my sister encouraged me to get my first tarot deck, and it's like an herbal tarot deck. Oh. So each of the cards corresponds with an herb. Beautiful. So I'm learning about the herbs as I learn about the cards. Wow. And it's just like such a mindful practice. Yeah. Like I am learning so much, and it's just like already, I don't know, has guided me, even though I don't know very much about the cards. I love that for you because you're a nurse. And all medicine is based on herbal remedies. I mean, or, or at least the history of medicine is herbal remedies. Um, Absolutely. Some medicines are really, like, they were originally herbs. Like, right. It's not even like, you know, herbs did something and now they're irrelevant. Like, some of these medicines are still made from herbs. Right. Penicillin <laughs> is made of mold, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the natural world is full of healing remedies and... I think that pagans of all sorts and witches of all sorts have been utilizing these things for ever. Uh, and I think with tarot decks, it's about choosing something that really speaks the same language as you. Yeah. Because I always say that tarot is having a conversation with the universe. And you know, you have to pick a deck that, I don't know, that's your alphabet, right? So I think that for you to use an herbal deck makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and I really wanted to get into the the herbs and that direction because I think that there's like even like just a lot of power in um, like making something that can be caring for another or for mm-hmm. yourself that's like tactile in that way or that's like sensational. Yeah. Like, the power of just like I knew lavender was like very relaxing for me and for like putting lavender oil on somebody if they're stressed like and that that idea like as a, as a nurse like I believe in and as a witch too totally well they have so much overlap you know being a witch is being a healer whether it's for other people or not if it's just for yourself you're still a healer being a nurse is being a healer yeah there, and they use, like, the history of, like, women as healers and, like, witches as healers, like, corresponds kind of with that caring profession. Absolutely. We, we couldn't have nurses or doctors if we hadn't had witches or pagans. So, as an emotional support witch, do you engage witchy practices when you support people or afterwards or like how does that work those are great questions yeah sometimes not everybody who works with me is like wanting witchcraft some people are into it or open to it some people aren't into it um or I suppose they might not be I haven't had anybody express that actually um 
I usually start my day at my altar, which you're facing right now in my living room. Yeah, I did want to mention that I haven't seen many altars in my life other than Catholic or Lutheran ones, but this one is absolutely stunning, and, well, Callie, you should describe it. Oh, it's, so it's in an armoire. It's a really large corner armoire, and I have a few little crates that I've stacked in there and some wooden carvings. I have a tree slice, and a photo of one of my grandmothers. But this is, it's a highly elaborate altar. I mean, there's there's beautiful decor, like, in every bit of it, and Thank candles you. and vials of all sorts of things. And It looks like a witchy altar, right? It does. <laughs> yeah, and I've got my tarot decks up there on the top. So you begin your day at your altar. I begin my work day at my altar almost always. Not always because I'm a human and sometimes I just want to sit on my couch and drink coffee. But most days I go to the altar, pour that small teacup full of coffee for my ancestors and for Hecate, who's the goddess that I work with. Um, and I invite them to help me with my day, to help me give wisdom and support and only good things to those who want and welcome it. And I also ask every day that all the money that comes to me comes from willing hands who are happy to give it, that it only serves the highest good, and that all of the hands that receive it from me are also serving the highest good. So. Who knows what happens with that, but I believe it makes everything a little bit less um, consumerist and capitalistic because it makes me focus every day on like every penny I spend and receive, am I really doing it in accordance to what I think is right? So it's a reminder. Uh, so that's the beginning of the day. And then... Often before sessions, I'll sit down and light a candle or incense just to kind of set my scene and begin something new. Almost all of my sessions are an hour. I have a couple people who want 30 minutes sometimes, um, but usually a candle will last around an hour or maybe longer. I use little ones for sessions with people. And... I would say that the witchcraft, I mean, it comes up when people want witch-specific sessions. It's certainly very present when people do tarot readings with me, which I love doing for people. And in the one-on-one -on -one mentorship work, it just comes up when it comes up, and I offer it to people. So it might be that I want to do a little bit of a meditation with somebody because I think that there's some, some hidden work that needs to be done or they might need to focus on achieving a goal or I might give them a ritual to perform or just suggestions. It just really depends on the person. Yeah. Well, I mean, just by describing your day, you're kind of invoking magic, whether they like it or not. I mean, I do the same thing with my work as a nurse, but I can't communicate a lot of things that... Yeah you have the freedom to, but I do the same, similar, I mean, I do my own practices that inform, like, transmission of energy, energy when I'm taking care of people. Yeah, do you do, like, do you focus your energy with people? Do you ever... I think that just sitting in people's presence, like, mm -hmm. during um, specific times, like, I have become like very mindful of the way my energy affects the space that I'm in with people. Mm -hmm. And for a while when I started as a nurse, I, I felt like um, really drained because I thought that I had to be like almost just take the energy that was existing in a room. And then I kind of realized like, oh wait, like I can acknowledge this energy and actually like kind of align myself with it while still bringing mine and maintaining it. Like, and that my, if I, you know, if I have an energy of joy and hope, like that 
is important even if the person I'm with is like in deep despair and pain mm -hmm. like and I kind of had to I don't know realize that I can I could maintain my energy and that it would be like I could still honor the energy of another person yet um hold my own I guess if that makes sense I think so <gasps> thank you thank you so much you're welcome Cheers. Cheers. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. This is really good. I feel like coffee is witchy. It changes things. It's I mean, magical in itself. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a plant with properties that change the way that we feel. Yes. Is that not a potion? It is. And yet, like, and everybody, so many people interact with coffee. It's also very ancestral. It's why I pour a cup of coffee or tea every day at my altar yeah. because it's really likely that almost all my ancestors drank it. It's something that's really familiar to them. So in the afternoon, I usually switch it out for a fresh glass of water. The teacup? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, at the end of the day, do you pour it out? In the morning, I put the water in one of my plants. Okay. Isolation. I think isolation helps out with me. <laughs> Absolutely. I have never been more dedicated to my personal practice than in quarantine. I had a breakup happen because of how witchy I got. The witch became like, you just, how, how did that work? <laughs> like, I went from having a very small altar where maybe I would light a candle every once in a while, but like, I would do tarot, you know, and I always identified as witchy to I'm researching, I'm, you know, laser cutting all of these because I'm a laser cut <laughs> artist as well. And so I would laser cut, um, you know, there's this mirror that's the queen of pentacles tarot card. I made that. That's beautiful. Thank oh you. And I like whittled a wand for myself yeah. and, you know, I made a broom for myself yeah. and somebody that I was dating in, I didn't know it was a problem. And then totally out of the blue, we had a breakup and they cited me really being very witchy as a major reason because it made them so uncomfortable. And I said, well, you know, you're all about that gender equality work. You know that the witch, the witch hunt was like designed out of misogyny. So I feel like if you want to be somebody who says that you're all about gender equality, like maybe unlearn hating witches. And they were like, no, it'd be worse if you were Christian because I hate that even more. And I was like, no, no, no. That's, oh, it was, uh, it was uncomfortable. That is. Spirituality makes people uncomfortable if they haven't made peace with that in themselves. True. And we are a generation that is very uncomfortable with spirituality because, because of a lot of reasons. <laughs> but Yeah. Well, I, I was just talking with a friend this morning about kind of like isolation as well as a lot of thoughtfulness about like my part in how I could respond to the BLM resurgence most recently mm -hmm. drew me to like really figure out where my spiritual direction was going. Yeah. Because I used to rely on very Christian practices and I still align with that framework. And yet I, I didn't want to appropriate aspects of Eastern traditions that weren't, wouldn't align with my own ancestry. Like I wanted to, to utilize practices that would be spiritually fulfilling and grounding that my ancestors might have as well. Mm -hmm. And, and I just needed something to bring like hope and grounding during 
COVID and everything else, like, mm -hmm. and witchcraft was it. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I mean, you and I were talking about how Halloween is coming up and Halloween is also Samhain. It's the, on the wheel of the year, it's new year. It's the witch's new year. Oh, no wonder I'm so excited about it. <laughs> it's You're... like, it's, it's a mark of newness and, and new chapters and yeah. new inspiration and all that. It's a fresh year and it's when the veil is the thinnest and in Celtic tradition, it's, it's a lot like the day of the dead that so many of us in North America are familiar with. It's the Mexican holiday that is not on Halloween and it is not Halloween of really connecting with our lost loved ones. Mm. The Celtics did the same thing because the veil is the thinnest at this time of year, or at least so the story goes. So looking into that made me more aware of how I can celebrate, you know, holidays, for example, yeah. and how I might interact with different aspects of spirituality, such as the mortar and pestle in a kitchen. Those are really iconic in Polish witchcraft because I'm a I just got my first one. You're such a kitchen witch. I think so too. I love make making food and spaces for people to connect and I know you were so excited to bring honeycomb cake mm -hmm. last time. I know it's a disappointment. I have to come back. No, and then today you were like, just so you know, I don't have any with me. <laughs> I was bummed at myself. You're you're still invited, with or without cake. I mean, as long as you pet the dog. That's the most important thing. I feel seen that you called me a kitchen witch. Yeah, absolutely. I think if somebody is an herbalist of any variety, whether or not they're trained, they're going to be a kitchen witch. <laughs> I mean, how could you not be? If you know that garlic is good for your blood, aren't you going to think about that every time you put it in your food? Right. Yeah, I, I made a honeycomb cake for my my friend and um, because she was getting married, and I, like, blessed it, and I was like, this is going to be a sweet treat, and, like, it's a wedding gift and I put so much love into it and I just mm -hmm. wanted it to like be something warm for them to enjoy. Yeah, that's witchcraft for sure. Yeah, but I totally interrupted you. You were talking about <laughs> the mortar and pestle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, the conversation flowed naturally, but you know, I didn't know that a mortar and pestle was related I did not know that one of the ways that a mortar and pestle has shown up in history is in the folktale of Baba Yaga, who you've probably heard of. She's in Polish folklore. She's a witch that lives in the woods and she lives in a house that's on two chicken legs. Yes. Yeah. And I have, I 3D printed that little... Baba Yaga statue next to the tiger over there. You 3D printed that? Mm-hmm. And then I sculpted some little skulls for it. Baba Yaga is, for all intents and purposes, the witch you think of when you picture a cartoon witch. She has... Like the nose. The giant nose. She has warts. She's got stringy gray hair. She was also known as the bony one uh, because... So the legend says two of her legs or one of her legs was just bone. You know, she was just supposed to be this very scary being. And a really interesting thing about her is that she's sort of all-knowing. She has all the wisdom in the universe. And if you go searching for her, she might help you. Or she might eat you. And... <laughs> So the way that the mortar and pestle is tied to her is that her legend is that she flies around, not on a broom, but in a mortar and pestle. So she is in the bowl of it and she's holding the, I want to say the pestle, but I don't know which part is the mortar and which is the pestle. <laughs> she's holding the stick thing. And then she has a broom sweeping her path behind her so you can never find her. And 
the reason that this legend came to be, I believe, is that, you know, the witch hunts lasted for about 400 years. And it's been about 300 years, I believe, since they were really in full swing. So they lasted for longer than we've been out of them. Yeah. And witches were often wise women. They were often midwives, medicine women, mm -hmm. women who knew how to help people. And so, so basically respected women. And these men would kill them off one by one because they knew things that the men did. Sounds evil to me. Sounds horrible, right? So you go into the woods looking for the witch, Baba Yaga, and maybe she'll help you, but she could kill you. And I mean, it was said that the reason that she rode around in her mortar and pestle was so she could grind up men, <laughs> which I, I love. And so that's why I have her on my altar or at least her house. <laughs> she's a scary scary witch and I think that's beautiful I have people really think of witches as being these evil beings and utilizing what they don't understand as a way to harm other people using what people don't understand as a way to harm them witches are just living their lives we're out in the woods or as I am in Capitol Hill, you know, living my gay life, dancing naked under the moon when I can. And also, like, making beautiful things that transform. Yeah. Like, your altar, mm -hmm. like, I feel like this is an example of how powerful it is to cultivate art in your own space yeah. for just your own purpose and how it can affect, like, you and then the people you interact with, like, and the mm -hmm. magic of that. Yeah. I mean, having... Having a big altar in my home feels like having a church in my home, but not not capital C church. Like I made a temple out of my home, you know, and it also does remind me to take care of my home in certain yeah. ways, which witchcraft does as well, because you can make blessed floor washes, which I did because I thought recently, oh, I should wash my floor. I bet there's a witchy way to do it. So I looked it up and it's totally a thing. I mean, brooms are iconic for witches for a reason. Taking care of your home is witchcraft too. Yeah. Can you please tell me what kind of witch you think you are? Yeah. So I've been thinking about that because... As I first started out, I felt like I'm just a witch. I don't really identify with one thing or another. And then I found the Corellian way, the, the path um, of Wicca, and I really like it. Oh. I like a lot about Wicca. And also, as I learn more about it, I'm unsure. I don't know. Um, I think that right now the thing I identify most as is an eclectic witch. I'm certainly pagan. Some pagans are Wiccan. Um, but I'm unsure because Wicca is actually a very modern religion. Right. It's pretty new. It is. It was invented or whatever, discovered, I don't know, in the 1950s by a guy named Gerald Gardner. So... I mean, he's fascinating. If you want to look him up, he was a nudist. And one night says, he said he was like abducted by a circle of witches who were all naked and he was naked and they told him all the secrets of witches. And, <laughs> and he just kept hearing this word, Wicca, Wicca. And so he made a religion out of it. And that's how Wicca came to be. It's so absurd that it's believable. Right. That some dude just... some dude had like a wet dream. Yeah, it sounds like the same as a lot of other ones, right? Yeah. And that, all of that is not at all to say that I think Wicca is not real or that it's, it's inappropriate or that I'm even... 
I am slightly poking a little bit of very good hearted fun because I do love it. And I identified as Wiccan pretty recently, but I'm just unsure right now. I think that's an okay place to be at. I do respect it. Wiccan friends. <laughs> I think that uncertainty is what helps like spirituality, faith, religions be in balance. Like if you don't have that mystery or curiosity, then it, I feel like it becomes like, I don't know, it can become dogmatic or like an idol in some way. Mm-hmm. If, if one. I agree. Curiosity is a beautiful component to any belief system. Um, I mean, if not for curiosity, we wouldn't have any medicine, right? Yeah. I really like that Wicca has such a focus on deity. Okay. Because, you know, I've chosen to work with Hecate, who is the daughter of some titans. She's the torch bearer. She's the keeper of keys. She is the goddess who helped Demeter find Persephone after she'd been kidnapped by Hades. So she is considered a dark goddess, but she's also, you know, she's the triple goddess. She's maiden mother and crone, but she really is represented most often in her crone state. And I love so many things about her. She's also the, the queen of witches or the goddess of witches. Um, I've heard to her referred as both. And she is the goddess of midwives. She's all about liminal spaces. I'm an emotional support witch professionally. That means I take my practice and I help others with it. But then, I mean, nobody is a master of a religion. No one is. No. People can think they are, but no. And I'm very much a learner. I plan to continue to be a learner. I also plan to continue to value the knowledge and the wisdom that I have in my process and help others with theirs along the way. But I'm going to fuck things up and I'm going to say the wrong thing and I'm going to not know things. And that's fine. That's part of it too. Being graceful in accepting errors is part of the work and... I, I don't know. I just had some learning that I did in my witchy path, like, yeah. the last few days. Because I think I was kind of, like, I'm working on applying for something. I kind of mistakenly, I think, was, like, anxiously, like, anxiously performing rituals that I wanted to bless this, this opportunity. <laughs> With anxiety? <laughs> kind of, yeah. And then I was like, hold up. I need to perform a ritual, like bless this, and then trust that and just work on it. Yeah. Because that's the belief in the magic. Like, it's not a like I. It's not that I need to witch harder so that I can get this. Like <laughs> yeah. I need to just, you know, appreciate the practice and then just believe in that and move on with it. And I kind of had to yeah. learn, learn, um, do some learning with that recently. Yeah, and it's to reflect on what we were talking about earlier. Not a mistake, just part of the process. Yeah. Um, I like, I don't have to witch harder. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I do believe in keeping up practices of some kinds. Like, when I feel a shift in something, then I might change up the recipe, you know, or every new moon is such a great time to set new intentions. Yeah. So even if I'm working with the same intentions, I might refresh them. But yeah, coming to the space with the belief that it's going to work is a major element of it. And then mm -hmm. I really like to do a ritual directly before I'm doing something. So if I am going to do a prosperity ritual spell, whatever you want to call it. I do it and then I start my work right after that. I will often send business emails right after that. I might have a meeting with, you know, an affiliate for the podcast right after yeah. that. 
Because it's about pairing your action with your intention, yeah. creating with your will. Yeah, that's and I think that like I'm incorporating that as well. But I, I kind of felt the difference of like yeah. whether or not I'm actually just going to trust the work that I put in with that, mm-hmm. and then move on and and do the the physical tangible work specifically on that kind of yeah, and then just like honor the the witch the witchiness that got involved yourself yeah and whatever else is out there yeah so you're you identify as a christian witch right i think so um yeah and i i i definitely like invoke other uh religious stuff yeah in my faith but i honor my the framework that has raised me Mm-hmm. And the, the symbols and stories which feel really embedded in my identity. And yeah, that's kind of why I. And um, most, m- my most recent ancestors, like, definitely were Christians. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know, just some of the, the symbols of Christianity, like, still feel very valuable to me. And even though I'm not dogmatic in that. Christian witches are super real and make up a surprising amount of witches. Like, I think because people still somehow associate witchcraft with Satan worship, you know? Yeah. Um, your average witch doesn't even believe in Satan. Right. <laughs> um, and also the Satanic Church is doing such beautiful things for human rights. So, it's a funny world we live in, but... <laughs> I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in the choir. Yeah. And for me, for me, the songs are just, they just remind me of feeling like part of a community. They don't remind me of any sort of despair. Yeah. Um, and walking into a beautiful church feels magical because I know that it's full of people connecting with spirit. And I do that. I sit down and I kneel in front of my altar and pray when I'm doing spell work. I pray to Hecate. I pray to my ancestors. I pray to my higher self. That's actually how I got started in prayer as an adult. I prayed to my higher self to help me achieve a better version of me. And I think it could sound, especially to more dogmatic religious folks, like very narcissistic to say I pray to myself but I don't feel that it's at all narcissism I don't think that it makes my human identity seem so much better than anybody else's I think it's about always striving to be a kinder more compassionate wiser student on this earth there are so many religious traditions and Things related to religion that can just feel beautiful. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that, and that's totally okay and valid. People are allowed to have their unique feelings. There are atheist witches. There are agnostic witches. You can be a witch of any flavor. All kinds of witches. It's true. We're everywhere. Just look at all of the change we're doing. Yeah, truly. It is so the year of the witch. It is. You know there's a yeah. new version of The Craft coming out? Did you see The Craft? Wow. Okay. So we have a very small age gap between us, but here's where it shows. The Craft was a movie from, I believe, 1994 about four teen witches who connect with, a, I don't know, the, a, an artificial, like a fake fictional god called Manon. <laughs> and they say it that way. They say it so ridiculously. And there's a new version of the movie. It's called, like, The Craft Legacy. And so it's an installment in, I guess, the series or franchise or whatever. It Honestly, it looks horrible, but I'm going to watch it. Because sometimes I eat Taco Bell. It's horrible, but I love it. And I'm going to consider this movie the Taco Bell of cinema. <laughs> Bad films are, like, great. We humans, oh, especially witches, we are raccoons in human suits. I 
was just at the coast for a couple days and I came home with an armful of driftwood and I was like, these are my special sticks. <laughs> Peach, my dog, got one of them and was chewing them up and I was like, that is a special stick. That is your mom's stick. It's for me. And I have, you know, my little piles of rocks. Not even just crystals, literally rocks. <laughs> we love our garbage. It's sacred when you say it is so. And self-care sometimes involves binge-watching some garbage. Sure. Yeah. The first time that I was trying... Have you ever burned mugwort? Yes. It's very cleansing. And it has protective qualities. Yeah. But it's really... Um, really potent. Don't burn it inside. Um, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Why? What did it do to you? Well, I I feel like I was just gathering herbs and just mm-hmm. trying things out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, these are the these are the. Did you burn like a lot of it? I just took a clump and I set it on fire in the house, and uh-huh. it set off the fire thing, and it it was just like smoking all over the place, and I was like, oh shit, I need to get outside, and so I quickly went outside. It was like midnight, and I was just like hoping the neighbors wouldn't like catch on to what I was doing but itch yeah <laughs> I love burning things in it's general really nice. yeah I, I was bummed during the smoke because I didn't feel right burning stuff <sighs> yeah same I was really grateful for my battery operated candles then because they really make everything feel cozy <sighs> but Not a vibe. you can make a spritz because a lot of A lot of witches don't live in places where they can burn things. So you can make a a cleansing spritz out of like essential oils and water. Um, I have one that I made by like steeping a bunch of herbs. And I did spray that around a lot during that Mm. time. You can always do workarounds. You know, if you don't have, for example, like a little cauldron you probably have a soup pot in your house. You can use that. A lot of people think that to be a witch, you have to have a lot of equipment, but all you have to have is yourself. Well, I want to talk more about Halloween. Yeah. And your experiences with Halloween as a witch and what you're going to be doing this year. Well, Halloween 2020 is on a full moon, which is very exciting. The 1st of October and the 31st of October are full moons. I believe they're both super moons as well. So in the wheel of the year, Halloween is Samhain. It's spelled Samhain. So you might hear folks call it that, which is fine. I firmly believe that mispronouncing things because you've read them more than you've heard them out loud is not at all a sign of anything more than you being a good reader. So Samhain is, I believe, a Celtic holiday traditionally, but I know that it's part of the pagan tradition, and it is a beautiful day for connecting with the dead. Um... The veil is thinnest around the end of October, around the witch's new year. So this year, my coven and I have talked about having our first gathering since the pandemic um, around that time. And that would be really lovely because we haven't all been in the same space for like six months. It would be really nice to be with them all. We've all spent time individually together at a distance, but to be all in the same space would be great. I'm unsure what I'll do for spooky season, but I am celebrating 13 days of Samhain with my neighbor friend. We're crafting and making all sorts of little presents. We're each going to give each other a small gift every day for 13 days leading up to it because we both really love giving people gifts. It's a major love language thing, and we're going to have some spooky movie viewing together. I don't know what I'll do witch-wise. I'm sure that I will come up with something to do. As it is a full moon, I'll probably be 
attending one of the Oracle of LA's online moon circles. I really love those. And it feels beautiful to be connected to a bunch of people doing the same thing. You don't have to make every holiday the biggest. You don't have to make every moon the <laughs> biggest. Observing things and honoring them can mean observing and honoring where you're at and what you have bandwidth for. So I'm kind of feeling it out. As so many people, I feel like my energy has been kind of tenuous. It's mm-hmm. been kind of up and down. Did you know the history of trick-or-treating? No. So, Samhain was a really popular day for kids to prank people in their towns, especially people who were maybe not very nice to them. Eventually, this turned into them going door to door and like kind of, what is the word? Offering an ultimatum. Do you want to give me a treat? Or do you want me to prank you? (laughs) And so houses that didn't give these kids treats would get pranked. So trick or treat is children (laughs) providing an ultimatum. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. Kids. Kids those days. Can we use that on like a city-wide level to demand the kind of justice that we need in this city (laughs) from like major leaders and or like leaders of corporations just show up at the mayor's house and be like do you want to give us human rights or are we going to tp your house every day I think some final thoughts on witching are that if you are curious about it, go for it. If you feel like maybe you're a witch or maybe you're remembering that when you were little, you would go into the forest and look for fairies or you would make potions out of mud or that you always thought tarot cards were really cool, go for it. Treat yourself to enjoying those things that your child self really wanted to have around you because you've always seen magic. Why not live with magic? It is a choice you make. It's a decision. You can live with or without it. But there is a beautiful Roald Dahl quote that I share often. And it's, uh, those who do not seek magic will never find it. Yes, that's, it's the same thing as kind of ask and you will receive, like knock and the door will be opened. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Like, just... Click your heels three times. You're a witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, of course, if you need an extra helping hand, I'm always happy to help folks figure out their witchy path and find maybe what deities you want to work with, maybe what flavor of witchiness you want to explore, or maybe you just need to talk to somebody about your breakup or dating or somebody to help edit yes. your Tinder profile. So you can, you can provide emotional support, witch services, and I shall be recommending you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Callie, thanks for joining me on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. Of it's course. been lovely getting to know you and chatting with you. <laughs> Absolutely.